0: Welcome to This Mummy Truth Podcast. My name is Christina. I'm a professional vocalist and a digital content producer who became a mum in 2020. I soon discovered that mums are often silenced by shame into not talking about the reality of their experience and what matters the most to them. This is a safe place where we can talk openly about childbirth, maternity care, everyday struggles, and the wonderful parts of being a mum. We are not censored by shame or taboo subjects, and while we discuss the nitty gritty of sensitive subjects, we also have fun. Come join me for our latest episode. So today we have a few topics to cover. I'm gonna be talking about antenatal depression, um, postpartum depression, and anxiety, and how sometimes uh, they can be misdiagnosed. And confusing one with the other is quite common, Um, and the mental load of a default parent. So, from my perspective, if I go back to my first pregnancy, um, I did have high premises gravidarum during that pregnancy and was medicated for the entire pregnancy. However, once I started to feel a little bit better, I was very lucky actually, because a lot of people with HG um, end up just being so horribly sick through their entire pregnancy Um, but mine was horrific at the beginning and then just came back in waves throughout the rest of the pregnancy but from around 20 weeks I would say in my first pregnancy when I started to physically feel a bit better um, I definitely was very happy uh, and I'm very thankful that I had that experience with my first. Um, It was probably a lot to do with being completely naive to the situation um, and actually I think I was quite arrogant in my thoughts of what becoming a mother would be and I think I thought that because I'd worked as a professional vocalist for most of my life and I was used to late nights, late gigs, late studio sessions um, and actually my whole, my natural bio rhythm and circadian rhythm was to be awake all night but then to sleep all day I somehow thought that I would handle the newborn phase fine and it wouldn't phase me completely stupidly not realizing that yes you are awake all night most of the time but you sleep during the day (laughs) and you have that time to actually sleep and I think also because I have ME That also has affected my sleep quite badly uh, for most of my life. That I thought again that I could handle newborn life, but I again didn't realize that um, that's because I do get time before baby to sleep when I needed to. So being naive (laughs) was one thing, and I would hear people's stories of how difficult newborn life was and how difficult motherhood was and having not experienced it I have to say looking from the outside in I just thought wow why are mum so negative about this which is so bad when I think about it now it's 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 like the phrase that people say when you have not walked in someone's shoes you really shouldn't judge because I truly had no idea. But anyway, um, I did really enjoy the second half of my pregnancy Um, and even though I had some problems towards the end, um, on the whole my actual pregnancy with my first went really well. Now I'd say it's quite a stark contrast to my second, so being completely honest, I really wasn't happy when I found out I was pregnant again because I really did not think that I could physically handle another child on top of my illnesses and looking after a toddler. So I was in shock for quite a few months and... Um, And I had hyperemesis gravidarum again but this time you throw in a toddler on top so I couldn't rest in bed like I could with my first when I needed to when I was vomiting all day and couldn't lift my head from the pillow I had to because I had a child to look after um and during that time with my second pregnancy I just I was so miserable um and I thought it would be never ending and I just wasn't happy and did not know what to do about my feelings because it's not really the done thing Um, for mothers to say that they're not happy about being pregnant and I still feel really guilty actually for having those feelings now I think guilty because a lot of other women really struggle to get pregnant and um, both times I got pregnant very easily and the second one without even planning to. Um, and so these deep feelings of guilt were there. Um, and then deep feelings of guilt towards the child inside me because I thought I feel like a terrible person for feeling this way. Um, and I didn't realize how many other women often feel the same And that it's okay to feel that way. And I have to say, I think a lot of it was also hormonal and just the fear of how was I going to do this. I felt like I was just starting to get a bit of who Christina was back. I was starting to sing again in a band. We were starting rehearsals again. Um, And I was starting to really feel good again that, okay. I'm starting to get back to myself, I'm going to start gigging again, Um, and then it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, and I had to stop rehearsals for a very long time, for three and a half months, because of the hyperemesis that I was experiencing, Um, you know, I couldn't even leave the house, let alone sing (laughs) on stage, so it felt like another slap in the face to say, you were just not gonna do you or be you for a whole other two years and it it really made me feel sad. And now that I'm I'm now 18 weeks pregnant, um I have to say for the past couple of weeks that feeling has lifted a lot. Um and I am really happy about it and I am getting excited now and that has been such a relief. But I know a lot of women don't feel that i'm very lucky to have had a change of heart in that way for me it was actually when we had the gender reveal scan and i you know i i saw the baby looking like a baby on the screen and it made it real to me and i thought wow you're actually a real person and now i can't wait to meet you um and now i'm so happy because actually in the scheme of things i think I had to think about, I always wanted two children. It's not that I didn't. I actually always wanted a really big family (laughs) when I was young. Um, And so I thought, if I removed my chronic illnesses, would I be happy about this? And I thought, yes, I would, because it is actually what I want. Um, And it's just the logistics that we need to work out. But I'm very lucky in this respect because antenatal depression um, is a big thing that really isn't discussed much. I think we really underestimate the hormones of pregnancy and the ever-changing changes that happen to your body. It's almost like as soon as you get used to one stage of pregnancy, something else is thrown at you um, and all the symptoms you get And again, things we don't really talk about, like pelvic floor function in pregnancy and incontinence and all these things um, that I don't think we really acknowledge it much in society. It's kind of seen as like, oh, this should be the best time of your life. Um, And I think for some people it is, and I'm really happy for them. Um, And for a lot of people, it's not. And that's okay. And I think it's okay to have those feelings. I think the feelings of failure then move with you into motherhood. Um, I knew before I had my first that my mom had had postnatal depression quite badly, that really she says she never recovered from, and that made me feel really sad, actually, to hear that. She, she didn't tell me that, actually, until I had already um, revealed to her that I did after my first. Um And she had me in 85, uh, in a time where postnatal depression really wasn't a thing and wasn't really discussed. And so she got no help whatsoever. She actually plucked up the courage to speak to her GP at the time and they completely brushed off her feelings and just said, oh, you've just got the baby blues and you'll be fine. And they, they just dismissed her completely, um, and uh, I feel terrible that she went through that in that way by herself and I think now we at least can talk about it more openly. Even so, it was a shock to me when I experienced it because I just didn't think it would happen to me. I thought, I really wanted this baby, I was really happy in my life with my partner, so what could I possibly be sad about? But you don't realize that it's the experience of being responsible for this tiny human who never sleeps and had all these problems with reflux and the sleep deprivation for me is what caused it and I, I actually also had postnatal anxiety I think more than depression and it was diagnosed as depression but through researching I realized it was more an anxiety than a depression for me Um, where every little thing I was spiraling into this worry of, it would all, my thoughts would always end with, oh my gosh, if I don't get to the bottom of what's wrong with my baby, I'm going to be the reason she dies. And that's a horrible, horrible feeling to be feeling every second of the day. I kept thinking that everything I did was wrong, um and that something would happen to her in her sleep um which really didn't help with me sleeping um and it was an overwhelming anxiety every second of the day I remember going for a walk I think when my first was two months old with my partner down by the river um it was a spring day well it was the beginning of spring in April um and I just burst out crying because she was she still had problems laying down flat she just couldn't do it and we'd even tilted the bassinet in her pram and she was having a sleep and i was really anxious that she was going to vomit everywhere um and lo and behold she did <laughs> she'd been asleep for about 10 minutes and of course because she wasn't being held completely upright by one of us she hated the sling as well so that wasn't an option um I just remember just all this and it's not spit up it was like an entire bottle of vomit um came up she was distressed she was crying and I just remember thinking can we not have just five minutes without any drama um I just wanted to look out at the river um with my partner and my baby and not have to worry about all this and I just burst into tears because I was so overwhelmed and so sleep deprived and I could see the difference between my reaction and my partner's his was very practical on oh she's done a vomit let's clean her up and um you know let's move on from the situation really which I guess is a more normal reaction I say normal in inverted commas And mine was to spiral into this complete despair um, that, oh my gosh, she'd vomited again. Um, She was going to choke on the vomit if she stayed in the bassinet. Um, What are we going to do with her now? There's now vomit on all her blankets and her clothes. We don't have, we're going to have to find somewhere to change her and we're by the river. Just all these things that were spiraling out of control. And then I was like... Is she ever going to not vomit? No, she won't. She'll be a child, grown-up child who's at school still having these problems. It it would just spiral. And that's when I realised that something else was going on here. And these feelings weren't just normal, practical um, frustrations. So, thinking how good I felt in the last part of my pregnancy... I was so surprised when I started to develop postpartum depression and anxiety. I don't know why, I just thought it wouldn't happen to me because it's the strangest thing. I think with depression that can develop just in general life that isn't related to postpartum, it seems to be like a lead up of events. Um, And I don't, I don't know, like I've, it seemed such a stark contrast going from feeling so happy and not feeling like anything was wrong at all um, until I did have a traumatic birth um, and I was left with birth injuries that really did affect me mentally Um, so I think that was trigger number one and then the second one for me was the lack of sleep and that was the biggest one for me actually and I think that just sent me over the edge was the lack of sleep and having a baby that had such bad reflux that I could never put her down so it just felt like I never got a break it was just a constant I couldn't even lay her on the mat for like five minutes to go have a pee so it was just a 24-7 24-7 where all my days rolled into one, I had no idea what day it was, what time it was in the end, um, and it was this really strange tug-and-pull feeling where I felt this deep, deep love for this new human being. Um, I was actually very lucky that I connected with her instantly, um, and so much so this deep love that I had for her would make me cry because of how much these feelings were so overwhelming for me and I really struggled seeing her in pain because the acid um, issues that she had before we found the right medication would make her screech this horrifying screech that would go on for hours every day and it was like I felt it in my soul like I felt her pain and I felt so helpless because it seemed that, you know, your your first instinct is to turn to medical help um, and demand it and, you know, be like, this is my child, you need to fix this. But reflux is something that's very difficult to fix um, and you just have to keep trying different things. And it was trying to get my head around that, amongst the sleep deprivation, um, just felt so overwhelming and there was there was that feeling on one side and then after a few months I think it was we just moved house on top of it all um and I was four months postpartum still in the extreme depths of sleep deprivation and I remember fantasizing about getting run over um Like, I I didn't want to die, but I wanted to get run over or something, some sort of accident that was fixable. (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing now at the fact that I thought getting run over was fixable. But it was almost like I was like, okay, if I just broke a leg or something, I could be in hospital for a little while and someone will actually take care of me and I'll be able to sleep. It was this wanting to sleep. It was this fantasy of being able to get away from my baby to sleep without being interrupted and I just wanted to sleep for a week straight um and those thoughts and feelings were becoming more and more and more I was thinking about it more and more and more Um, and I was breaking down more and more and that's when I started to get an inkling of I think I really need to get some help with this but it felt like my brain was still thinking logically enough to think that all the answers to getting help was to have some help with the baby which wasn't a position that we were in at the time with family living far away friends who were in London had lives of their own they're working so there's not really much they can do um We were still in this weird lockdown situation as well, Um, and I just couldn't see a way out. And I always think there's always adverts everywhere that say, you know, if you're struggling with your mental health, go get help, tell your GP. And I find it quite frustrating, actually, because here in the UK, you can do that, and you're not really going to get the help that you need, um, really. I mean, unless this was just my experience, but I told my GP and they referred me to something called talking therapies here. Um, and it just wasn't suitable at all. The young girl who called me, she actually, we were getting into a chat and she said that I think she was 23. She'd just graduated. She knew nothing about postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety. She just knew about general you know feeling low and depression in general and so everything she was suggesting to me just didn't make sense for specifically postnatal depression and and anxiety and I found it unbelievably unhelpful because it was things like oh you need to make time for yourself and it was like are you even listening to me how on earth does someone with such a young baby and no family around no childcare, make time for themselves it was things that just didn't make sense um and so in the end I sort of muddled through for like a few more months and then I ended up having to go private um but I only did a few sessions privately I think by then it was not too late but in the sense I'd kind of already dealt with that period of time and I'd already dealt it by myself and for me personally it was the lack of sleep and the extreme sleep deprivation that was causing my brain I think to just completely malfunction and I realized that the more sleep I got um, and I think it was situational as well so the more sleep I got and the more my daughter's reflux improved the older she got I realized that these feelings just just dissipated almost overnight actually so I guess I was very lucky that my core reasons for these feelings were situational but I really do wish that there was more help for women with postnatal depression and anxiety that is catered specifically to these things because I think it's really needed and a lot of women suffer in silence and then by the time they pluck up the courage to ask for medical help um they're just not given the right things they're not given the right help but if you're going through postpartum depression or anxiety right now and you're finding that reaching out to your doctor isn't really helpful um which is how i felt i'd just like you to know that this is not going to be forever and there is light at the end of the tunnel um you are gonna get your life back don't think that this baby phase is forever because it won't be and I know it feels so long while you're in it um and just if you do have a partner try to communicate your feelings with them because for me actually telling him so that he knew I wasn't just crazy he probably knew anyway I probably didn't have to tell him um but I think communicating that and what I was going through, um, was really helpful because he then started to see where I needed more help. Um, and you know, we worked it out between us and that was a huge, a huge thing for me actually, because before that I was maybe trying to pretend a bit that I was okay and, you know, I got this and, I know what I'm doing (laughs) um so I hugely advise to speak to the people around you who um who you feel closest to uh and if you can get help with somebody looking after your baby even for an hour a day or a couple of hours every few days um it really will make all the difference in the world even if you just sleep during that time Um, I still, to this day, and I have a two-year-old, I am pregnant again, so I'm definitely more fatigued than I usually am, but I still often nap when she naps if I can, um, because I have to, and that's okay. And so for me, once I started getting the sleep that I needed, I say the sleep that I needed, I, I still don't get the sleep that I need, but once it was a bit more humane, um, and she was a bit older so sleeping for longer stretches of time it was like these feelings just lifted um so now I know my triggers um going into my second pregnancy and knowing I think being more prepared for it now knowing that this is a likely thing that can happen knowing that the newborn phase is as difficult as it is Knowing I'm going to have a toddler as well, Um, being prepared for that in advance, and I think part of it is accepting how it's going to be and knowing that it's not forever, because I think when you go through it for the first time it can feel like this is my life now forevermore, I'm never going to sleep again, I'm never going to feel free again, I'm just stuck in this loop forevermore. And having been through that now, I know it's not forevermore, which leads me into another subject that I'd like to discuss today, and that is the mental load of the default parent. If you haven't heard this phrase before, the default parent is the parent who is the full time parent. And aside from all the physical tasks um, that you are visibly doing every day, I think there's sometimes an invisible mental load and that those around you may be don't realize and that is the to-do list forever in the back of your head so things like your baby child is growing out of their clothes and you know uh, you're going to have to order some more clothes or go get some more clothes before things just completely don't fit them anymore because they grow so rapidly and um things like wake windows and nap times and what do they like to eat because that's forever changing um and you know the washing and bedtime routines what is the bedtime routine going to be and researching things at 2am seem to be my speciality Um I noticed a stark contrast between um me and my partner's way of dealing with things so like for example um when our first was struggling with the reflux um I know he definitely was not up at 2am researching it all whereas I just could not sleep um in the situation that we were in without desperately trying to fix it and that's kind of carried on I feel like everything that she experiences where I'm not really sure what's going on or um it's you know a sleep progression or it's toddler tantrums or something there I am on google and mum groups like asking what to do and I have like a restless mind with that I can't just be like okay well we'll deal with that tomorrow because I feel like I won't have time to deal with it tomorrow because I'm going to be child caring tomorrow so for me it feels like the only time I do have to sort this all out is when she's asleep and I'm in bed at night and everyone's asleep and that's when my little tippity-tappity hands get out and I you know I'm just researching everything but actually I mean I think without a lot of the knowledge that I've gained from mum groups and researching stuff on Google has obviously been humongously beneficial um, and has got us through whereas I think my my partner's approach to stuff like that because he's not the default parent is kind of just oh go with the flow you know and see what happens which is probably fine most of the time um but I don't know if he would still feel that way if he were the default parent and I find it interesting when I see subjects like this discussed um on social media on you know platforms like Instagram um and you get those commenters don't you where They'll just be like, oh, like why are mums always so angry or why are mums always complaining? Um, you know, just be grateful. It's that grateful thing again, isn't it? Um, and you just think, you know, in any other line of work, and this is your current job right now, you're allowed to complain if you've had a bad day. So why can't you complain in your, you know, group of peoples who relate to what you're saying? Why can you not complain about those things? Um, it doesn't mean that you're not happy or that you don't have good times as well. But just as humans, like we need to get things out. We need to say how difficult this job is. And I don't care what anyone says, like being a mum is difficult. It's really difficult. And I've noticed those who don't find it difficult have, have help. They have a lot of help. I saw a clip of Katy Perry the other day and um, I think she was talking on a podcast and she said something like oh women are bad bees and you can have everything um, and you know because we can do it all and we can have it all and I, I think she meant to be uplifting with that but it it kind of annoyed me because again it was this pressure for women to be everything to everyone and it also annoyed me because I thought she has no idea what she's talking about because um yes she's been able to go back to her career because she's got childcare, um and not everybody can afford that um and it was this complete disregard for the village as I call it and I would say yes you can have everything and be everything if you have a village and if that's what you want to do. I think that's really important to think about is do you want everything? Do you want to be everything to everyone? It's this pressure for women to be a 1950s housewife at the same time as being a CEO that I find incredibly strange about the world we live in right now. I almost feel like in the 1950s, you had one role, and you weren't expected to also be something else. But now, with the freedom of being able to have careers, which of course is brilliant and is what we need, somehow we've got lost along the way, and women are now expected to be that CEO. But to also be mother and to also take care of the house and to keep on top of all those things and to be the best mum in the world and to spend all her time with her children but to also be an amazing CEO, it, it just doesn't make sense. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on women to again be everything to everyone because if they actually enjoy being at home with their children and don't want to go back to their job, they're almost looked down upon for that which I find unbelievably crazy Um, and if they do go back to their job and their children are in childcare, they're also looked down upon because they're not spending time with their child which I also find unbelievably crazy so it's like we can't win no matter what we do and I'm not sure that we're particularly benefiting at the moment from modern feminism because it's making us have so much pressure put on us to be everything to everyone in a way that men don't have that pressure like you don't get people condemning a father for being a ceo so so that therefore means he's not spending enough time with his children like i've never heard anybody say that whereas They'll say that about women. And that concludes today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd really love to hear your feedback. Um, and as always, you can find me at this mummy truth on Instagram. You can also find me at Christina underscore chrysanthu, which is where I post more personal stuff about our everyday lives. I'm always on our stories. Um, and I'd love to hear from you, and if you could let me know what other subjects you'd like discussed. If there are any guests that you'd like to hear on the podcast I will try my best to get them and I will see you next time. If you enjoyed it please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review it really helps us to grow and to bring you more content and new guests. If you're on Instagram then why not give us a follow at this mummy truth. Until next time stay strong and don't forget we're in this together.